Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I am I am your host, Caspiar. Did you did you glitch? I did. Okay. Um, I am your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because Wednesdays are for podcasts. And my dudes, we have a really fucked up episode for you tonight. Yeah. About a Christian cult. So yeah. before we do that and get all little less Christian-y, little more culty. A lot of more culty. Well, I won't say what I was about to say. I mean, they're kind of all culty. But anyway, <laughs> this is cult. This is, you have your cults, and then you have your cult cults, and then you have your, ooh, yeah, yeah. This one's a, ooh, very true. Um, so you guys, before we get into the episode, um, there's a couple things we want to tell you. First of all, we saw Scream 6 last night. Oh my God. And if you haven't seen it, or if you're not wanting to see it because Nev Campbell isn't in it, I completely respect that. Because to be straight up honest with you, I only wanted to see it because Kirby was my pool. Um, go see it. Go. Just just give it a chance. Because, fuck. <laughs> That's spoiler-free review. Fuck. Oh, it was so... It was amazing. Incredible. And if you have if if you're an elder millennial like me and you've been following the franchise from the start since five what they're doing now is really 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 incredible and they are staying so true you know i was telling my husband last night that i think this is a testament to these reboots of franchises the ones that are working are the ones that still have involvement from the original people involved and i think that's the only way that these work and we've seen it time and time again i mean say whatever you want for the last halloween artistically i see where they were going and i did love the ending because it did need to end and i'm very glad michael's gone but um, like he's really dead so Jamie Lee Curtis coming back as Lori, who is my original final final girl, and she has an Oscar. Um, and fucking like John Carpenter coming back and being involved. It it takes the original people. You know, this one, Courtney Cox still being involved and as an executive producer, Kevin Williamson still being involved since day one. Um, he's like, he holds the spirit of Wes with him. And I think for me personally that's a big reason that has kept me in this franchise and has kept me coming back since Wes passed away is that Kevin is carries the spirit of Wes with him with the Scream franchise and since Wes is gone there is no Scream franchise without Kevin Williamson in my opinion and I don't care if that's an unpopular opinion or not it's mine you don't like it you don't have to listen but anyway um well it's just like me and Carl but yeah I mean I've, I've watched them from the start and if you know the story and you know how it started then you agree like there is no scream without Kevin Williamson well, right I was now. talking to Carl last night and I mean it Wes would be proud Oh, for, oh Wes would listen. be so proud with what is going on with this especially this newest one, mm -hmm. I like, yeah, yeah. That I, is the first. I felt it last night. I felt it like Wes would have fucking loved. He would be so proud mm -hmm. of where, and, and remember, this is someone that was not a fan 
It's Nightmare on Elm Street, guys. This is someone that was not a fan of franchises. He did not want Nightmare, you know, famously did not want Nightmare on Elm Street to become a franchise. None of them wanted any other movies to become a franchise, really. But Scream... <laughs> Scream needed to be. It just, it set itself up to be, and it needed to be, and it's, it to me is, and you guys know how much I love Halloween, and how much I love Nightmare on Elm Street, because they're just, you know, they are where I started in horror. My Same. original horror, where I started from the core was Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. But as far as a whole franchise that I personally think is just absolute perfection from the first to now is Scream. It's as a franchise. Because even my absolute perfection. My movies perfection. that are not necessarily my favorites, I still <laughs> like them. Like yeah. even Scream 3, even though it's not a favorite, it's still a very solid film. So Parker it's like, Posey say, listen, you have to go back and watch. That was one of those I had to go back and watch. And I go back and watch Scream 3 and I'm like... Can you remind me at the end of this to tell you there's a Parker Posey Easter egg in Scream 6 that I didn't catch. Ah. And Jason ah. Jason told me about it. So remind me and I'll ah. tell you what it is. Thank you so much. Um, um, <laughs> but yes, uh, also... What I really love now that people pointed out a couple years ago was how they basically uh, outed Harvey Weinstein before we even motherfucking knew. Mm -hmm. If you go back and watch Screen 3 again and you think about Rose McGowan from the first one and it kind of... Go back to the scene where Lance Henriksen plays the creepy... There's that whole scene with Sydney and, and the in the in his uh, office talking about Sydney's mom and all oh, these girls and this motherfucking Harvey Weinstein. They were saying it back before we even knew. And that movie fucking said it. And personally, I think that's why that was one of the lowest grossing ones. I Probably. think that, I think that pissed him off. I think that pissed. I think that was a big, that was left in there purposefully because everybody knew about Harvey, but nobody had enough concrete evidence yet to fucking bust that motherfucker. Like, they didn't have enough to bust him yet. But Wes was like, I help. <laughs> I could put him on. So if I were to describe, like, as far as all of the new movies that have been coming out, as far as the franchises are concerned, the shows and whatnot, the way that I felt coming out of Scream 6 is the same way I felt coming out of Halloween 2018. I agree. The it's not that I didn't like Halloween Kills, and it's not that I didn't like Halloween Ends, and it's not like that I didn't like Scream Five. But what Halloween 2018 did for me was took me back to the original so hard. Yeah, me too. That it made me feel so just wowed by how amazing that movie was, and that's what this movie did with Scream Two. Like, you just, you walk out of the theater and you just, the odes and the nods and the Easter eggs and... It was so nostalgic It was so nostalgic perfect. It was very nostalgic for me. Because I've so been go, following the go. franchise since since day one. I, I remember being 11 years old and seeing the first Scream. And that opening scene with, I'm 11, 12. That opening scene of Drew Barrymore 
I was so fucking scared. I remember being so, she's outside the house and he pops up in the window. And I mean, I, I was terrified. I had not seen anything that had scared me that bad, like an original movie that had scared me that bad. And I, I was absolutely terrified. And it just, but in the, be but like, it felt good. It wasn't like a bad, that's how you know when you're a horror movie fan. Oh, yeah. When you're scared and it's just like, this is what I, I it was came, like last I night for this. Like, I wanted to be scared. Like last night when I told you, honestly, it had one of the best buildups. Like, the tension in that movie was probably one of the best, the way it held the tension. This is not a spoiler at all. It doesn't give anything away because everybody saw this in the fucking trailer on the subway. Speaking of tension, and going back to the original movies, I'm also extremely claustrophobic. Anybody that knows me personally. I um, never want to be on a subway ever in my life. Ever. Ever, 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 ever want to be on a subway. Um, so because and that that part in the movie like unlocked it for me. And it brought me back to the second one, the screen two, because by that point stab is out and everybody's running around with ghost face masks on, and there's like all these ghost face masks in this subway. I mean, you want to talk about a scene in the movie that I was actually like. I was sweating. I was actually sweating. I had sweating to actually watch my breathing because I, realized I, I wasn't. I was I was <laughs> actually freaked out because I'm so claustrophobic and just mm -hmm. that thought nope. of that many people in that cramped of a space and there's so many ghosts. I was so I was like, I don't like this. I nope. don't like this at all. I don't like this scene. I don't like it. So that's no spoiler because everybody saw that in the trailer. But that's so. what I'm saying though. Like when you go, when I go to see a horror movie, give me that. Put me on fucking edge. I love that shit. I love being scared like that. I, and not even necessarily scared, just anxious. Like I was so anxious and the tension was so thick. And I was like, this is what I love about horror so much. So, um, we, and the second thing we wanted to tell you guys really quick before we get into the podcast, uh, my memories came up today and nine years ago today, me and Becky actually officially met for the first time. Aww. Um, and it was at Horror Hound. It was. We were actually in line to meet Scott Wilson. R.I.P. R.I.P. And, um... It was actually really cool, like, looking back at the... And it was so funny, because my brother-in-law, who I was with, had to leave early for a birthday party. And Becky was like, you can just stay with me. That's fine. So we kind of started out our friendship. And um, turning right back around full circle, Horror Hound is this weekend. Yes, it is. And we want kind of wanted to wait to tell you guys the official announcement before, you know, it was set in stone. But it's set in stone now. Um... We have gotten an opportunity not only to go to Horror Hound all weekend for free, but we actually get to cover the film fest that Horror Hound is doing. Um, if you guys are familiar with Horror Hound at all, Film Fest is something they do every year. Um, but it is being it is becoming bigger because bigger movies are coming out of it. Terrifier's first premiere was at Horror Hound, the original Terrifier. Um, and now you guys know, you you know what that movie's done now. 
So they have a lot of original, they've got like red carpet premieres, world premieres, US premieres of some new movies. And we get the really cool opportunity of not only getting to see those movies if we so choose, we get to interview and talk to the actors, the directors, the writers, people who worked on the film, and we get to interview them and we get to talk to them about their films and we get to promote it right here. And that's a really fucking cool opportunity, not only for us, but it's like cross promotion. Um, we get to tell you about their movies. You guys go watch them, but also they get to go tell other people that they're on our podcast. And then, you know, our podcast gets more listeners and gets more ears listening and uh, things of that nature. So I am very excited to see what Friday holds for us. Um, in terms of who we get to talk to, the movies that are coming out. Because, y'all, I'm going to be honest. They, some of their movies, they play, they start playing at midnight. And we're just not about that life. I'm old. I'm also old. I don't run off of coffee and cigarettes anymore. <laughs> I, I need my probably my could, in. but I don't really want to. Um, I'm, I'm way... Oh, no. No. Oh. <laughs> that makes me hurt. Just thinking You're about like, it. No. But what's really cool is like, especially, well, we've done our, we've done our, uh, you know, overnights at Haunted doing like paranormal, but I take a nap. We I take prepare. the day off. Exactly. We prepare I for that. I take the day off. I take the I day take off. The I sleep until like three or four in the afternoon. See, we like, prep for that. Yeah. yeah. There would be no prep for this. So no. I want to go home. Go to but um, it's just really cool. I was thinking about it today. I was like, nine years ago today, we met in person. And little did we know that nine years later, we would be covering the Film Fest with our podcast. It's just fucking wild. Yeah, and shout I, out to Whorehound. Um, You know, we really appreciate this opportunity. Yes. And this is really going to be amazing. And, you know, next week we we actually are going to be sharing our experiences with you guys. Um, kind of letting you know how how everything went. And uh some of you know some of the people we met uh some of the movies that premiered you know we obviously want to give a shout out to them um but yeah we really 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 appreciate this opportunity very big fans of this convention um it's so cool it's such a neat convention it gets better and better every year and uh and they put on you know i i've been Many moons ago, it seems, um, I've been to several other conventions besides this one, and I still think every time Horror Hound is really the best. They just really, the venue is perfect, they are so professional, and they really, they they get really good people, the, the volunteers mm -hmm. and everybody that they get to work at every year do such an amazing job. They really, really make sure it's professionally done um, and that uh, everybody that attends is is not only guests, but also the celebrities and whatnot that attend are comfortable and they really do a great job. They really do. I don't think as many people would keep coming back and working with them if they didn't. You wouldn't I, feel comfortable working with them again if you didn't. And as many conventions as I've been to, none of them have felt like home. 
And I know that that's weird to say because it is home. It's Cincinnati, so it is home. <laughs> but at the same time, none of them have felt like actual home. Like, when I walk into Horror Hound, the atmosphere, I used to only go for the celebrities. I'll be straight honest. I did. I used to only go for the celebrities. At this point, I go to meet up with all of the people that I've met there. I go to hang out. I go to enjoy the atmosphere because in all reality... Horror fans are some of the best people in the entire world. Like, they really are. And Horror Hound brings people from all over the United States. And it's just, it's a different kind of home feeling. And I love it. I just love it so much. And to be able to be a part of it the way that we're going to be a part of it is just such a wonderful opportunity. And shout out to Justin Ord, if you ever listen to this, um, your um, nickname, Dark. His nickname is Dark. Um, I appreciate you so much for keeping all of us in tune with what's going on, for putting this together for us. This is such a great idea. And also Ryan, um, horror fan Ryan, huge shout out to you. Thank you for mentioning to Justin about us and getting all of that started. So there will probably, we'll kind of give you guys more of a update as far as like episodes go. Like we don't know how things are going to work completely yet, but, um, we can't wait to talk to you guys about the new movies coming out. See, here's the thing about yeah. horror, too. Indie films, because we're so sick and tired of the same. I love watching horror indie films because it's usually new ideas, something different. You can tell when it's picked from other films, but it's something new. So We were just telling you about that one that we watched mm -hmm. uh, either last year. I think it was last year. I think it was last it, year. But I think it was 2020. And that one... If anybody out there, my husband and I have not started watching yet, but uh, any of The Last of Us fans out there, um, if you guys skipped this, you might want to go back and revisit it. It's called Gaia, and it's on Hulu, and it's not your typical <laughs> horror film, but um, I think I had mentioned it before. Um, it is really crazy and really fucked up, um, but if kind of knowing where the last of us leads <laughs> into i i think it's appropriate i think people should watch it it's it's fucked up but fucked up in a really 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 perfect way you know we love that those are the best they're the absolute best so guys you can't be just... fucked up and just be like that was fucked up you gotta be fucked up and be like that was amazing like sit with me like after i saw oculus yes. for the first time Movie so much so good but yeah we just wanted to let you guys know uh that's really the big announcement that we kind of been holding on to for a little bit we did tell you guys we were going to horror hound but we didn't exactly tell you why um so now we get to go and we're very excited to do this um and we can't wait to share it with you guys uh next week and talk about it and because we weren't planning on going i know i definitely wasn't planning on going. I wasn't I wasn't planning on going because I didn't straight I straight up didn't have the money no but now that same. we're going for free I'm kind of like I'm gonna drop a couple hundred dollars in the vendor room <laughs> like I just I don't care <laughs> I am uh getting Eduardo's or Ed, Edward what is that kid's name isn't it Eduardo place? Sanchez the, no that's who directed the oh my god it is um that is absolutely <laughs> hilarious as soon as i said that i was like no argyle and stranger things um, i straight up just said that eduardo franco first name we were right 
First name, we were right. <laughs> you said Eduardo Sanchez. I'm like, no, dear. But that's okay. My we brain right. did first it, though. Name. My first brain name. was like, no, no. We that's were right. Blair Witch guy. Um, <laughs> so, yes, my niece loves Stranger Things. And um, I told her I would get Aww. his autograph for her. So I am going to do that. But that's going to be about it. <laughs> We are going to do a Jack so Osborne photo op together. Broke. Um I kinda I did I did tell you if I if if I had it, possibly not, but if I had it, I I do kind of wanna meet Devin Sawa. <laughs> I don't know why. You don't kind of. I know you do. I do, like I do. I do. I, really I was like, I know you do. Someone. I really do. I mean, it's kind of a toss-up between him and Skeet Ulrich. Because it's kind of like... You hate Skeet over Matthew? Over Deb. Well, I, I met... I've met Matthew Lillard, but I didn't meet Matthew Lillard. Like, I didn't get to get his autograph. This was years ago at a disastrous <laughs> convention. Um, Very sweet and got to give him a hug, but I really didn't get to talk to him. I didn't get to get his autograph. I, like... He's a sweet guy. I I do I really would like to formally meet him and get a picture, but just Skeet and Devin are just so weird because like oh my god, I'm just I'm flashing back to like my 12-year-old like Tiger Beat teen beat self and I was in love with them. I was in love with them. Good all of us girl we know. <laughs> Fucking Devin Sawa and Skeet Old. I mean, like everywhere, at all over the motherfucking place. Like there was not one teen magazine that was on the stands at Kroger. I'm begging my mom to buy it so I could put the pictures on my wall in my room. I it just the chokehold those two had on me as a child, and now I'm a full grown adult. I'm gonna be going to a convention and seeing them like. Them tables do be turning. This is fucking weird. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> Which, looking back now, it's like, bitch, you weren't the only one. Can you imagine how many of these conventions they get told, like, 20 years ago I was in love with you, just so you know? <laughs> like, it was for me God. last year when I met Skeet. I was in line, and I just looked at my best friend, Kai, and I said, I am gay. And I'm trying to remind myself of that. Oh God, he's such a good-looking man. I'm like, even now, he is so hot. He is so good-looking. I don't, I don't understand what was happening. Devin Sawa ain't bad either. No, he's not. He aged like (laughs) sir. Sit down, Devin. Damn it! Fuck it. Look, and him and Chucky. Is like this. That is the role. I mean, he has played in so many amazing things, but this was like the casting was so spot it was on the, for him. It was the he reminds me of your dad bit that I cannot. It, it's the me brand. in the middle of work and the idle hands are the depth. I I spit. I. I almost threw myself out the window. I was like, no, he fucking, no. It's the breaking the fourth wall. No, he motherfucking did not. Not idle hands. Stop it right now. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Whose idea was that? I need to know because it was incredible. Probably fucking. And it made me um, so happy. And I had to, I had to take a quick break from work because I couldn't work anymore. I could not function. I was like my brain. I was like, what? I have to get off this call. I have to take a minute. Like, I can't. 
You're like, can you fucking hurry I up? Like, I need a minute. I was like, I have to I No, the fuck, they did not do that. And I'm going to need a cinnamon roll. And then I'm like, there's people out there that didn't get that. I feel sorry for you if you didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. Or you're way too young. You're just, you're just way, you're just, you're just way too young. I mean, not to gatekeep, but are you really a horror fan if you haven't seen it on hands? You know what? And if I meet him, that will be the second person from that movie that I've met. Did you meet, um, who else did you meet? Jack Noseworthy. Oh. Yeah. I met, uh, what's his face? Um, He was in Event Horizon, too. Oh my god, what's his name? Seth Green? No. Was that Seth Green that was in it? It's the fucking guy from Mockingjay. I can't remember his name. Oh, that was in My Ducks. Yes. Um, him. Him. We all know. <laughs> that guy. We all know. We all know. I was um, like, no, the fuck you didn't meet Seth Green. I, no. I have not met Seth Green. <laughs> you would have met him and not told me. That's right. Um, we all would remember if I met Seth Green. <laughs> um, no, I... But I'm really excited to Tell see. me why I for half a minute forgot that he was in the original It until I started watching it. There's a, that doc, documentary. It's on Tubi now about the making of the original Hilarious. One. And I was like, Seth Green wasn't in. It's just like whenever <laughs> I watched the original. The it. cop from Sinister. I straight up did that. I straight up was like, who was he in It? I don't remember. You dumb bitch. <laughs> I don't remember her name, but it's the same thing so, as the original It, the chick that plays what's her name? Sister in Ginger Snaps. I always forget she's in it. In it. That is her. But that's her. That is her. Yeah. Who's also in She's the Man. Why I remember that, I don't know. But <laughs> Y'all, prayers up to Amanda Bynes. I don't know if anybody's been on TikTok, but uh, pray for Amanda Bynes. <laughs> Just Why? She's like on a psychiatric hold. They found her. She called the police on herself because she was walking around Hollywood booty naked. And she it's all over TikTok that she was like with some random people. And then the next day she's just like walking around Hollywood naked. And she called the police on herself and said she was having a psychotic episode. So everybody pray for Amanda Bynes. Okay. Psychiatric health. We take that very mental health. Very seriously. We take very seriously over here at DFWTO podcast. Uh, we battle with our own mental health issues. We both are in therapy. It is no fucking joke. So prayers to Amanda Bynes. Seriously hope she's okay. Seriously. That's, you want to talk about another part of my childhood. Amanda, please. No, for real. In in all seriousness. Um, yeah. I hope everything is okay with her. I've been on TikTok a lot more lately than I've been on Instagram. Because Instagram just got a little too depressing. And I'm, oh, out, I'm out of my, right I'm out now. of my funk. So now TikTok, my been, TikTok entire, my TikTok entirety. algorithm has been so good for same. <laughs> but right now it's Taylor Swift era's tour <laughs> and the last of us fungus shit going on right now, which is actually making me laugh and it shouldn't. And I know that's fucked up, but it's making me laugh because of the comments. It's not the actual thing happening it's the comments the people are putting i'll get videos of that and then all of a sudden there's taylor swift on stage again (laughs) so i'm like it's all over the place but 
to start on the wonderfulness that is this cult that we are about to get into. Uh, guys, this this shit's insane. Um, I am actually the one that brought this up because I and I I re rewatched it in preparation for this. Um, it's actually on several different streaming services that you can access through Amazon Prime. I just signed up for the little free trial and then got rid of it. Um, at, which is actually how I originally watched it. I had literally never heard of this cult before ever. And the title of it is called Ministry of Evil. And like that caught me immediately. I was like, excuse me, what? I've never heard of this before. It's four parts and it gets crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier as each part goes along. Now, more recently, uh, People Magazine did a series called Cults, which you can access not only on Amazon Prime, but also on Discovery Plus, where it uh, had two seasons of just like these 45 minute segments about different cults. And of course, they do like Jonestown and things like that. But the first episode of the first season is about um, the Alamo Christian Ministries cult that we're going to discuss. And um, that one doesn't <coughs> really, really go into the beginning of it as much as the four-part Ministry of Evil series does that Sundance originally produced a few years ago. Um, actually, it came out in 2018. So it would have been the year after Tony Alamo died, who was the leader of this cult. Um, and then the more recent one that People Magazine did, the little 45-minute or like hour long one. Um, that one I think just came out either in 2020 or 2021. It was very recently, but um, either way, I really implore anybody to, if you can stomach it, <laughs> to watch the Ministry of <clears throat> Evil one. The last two parts are kind of hard. It just, the whole thing is hard to watch because, um, as much as we don't like to do episodes like this, I think it is important to shine a light on ones that do discuss kids and cults like this, because I just, you know, we are not parents, but we both love kids. We are aunts. We have nieces and nephews and just because I, just I don't never... love my own kids doesn't mean I don't love kids. And I just could never imagine putting a child, my own child, a child that I love in danger mm -hmm. for some crazy fucker that's saying he's God. And I, I just don't. No, it, it, There was just a you. lot. There was so much abuse and just so much happened to these kids. And it's just like, I don't know how you cannot. A lot of these parents, especially if you watch the Ministry of Evil one, there were a lot of parents that just did not protect their kids. And the ones that did, that I mean, fought, like there was this one father, this guy fought like hell. He's like, you are going to give me my fucking son back. I mean, this guy went three states. He was, he was no. Liam Neeson and taken, man. Oh. He was like, oh, I mean, like, I will, like for real, I like will look for real. For you. And I what they did, the, they beat his son within an inch of his life. It was wow. just... It was nuts what they did to these kids. And then you're you're seeing the interviews of them as adults. And 
you can see the trauma on their faces as they're talking about it. It's just so, and then it flashes back to pictures of them when they were literal eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, babies, babies. You know, I, we, we have, you have nephews that I have niece that, niece that age, like those are, ba those are babies. And to imagine any, like, I'm going to put a bullet through your head if you do any of what, the people involved in this cult ever did to one of my knees like no <laughs> you're not walking away you're not walking at all how about that you're not breathing anymore how about that how about how you like that like you know i saw a <laughs> i mean it just would not happen i saw a so... tiktok a long time ago where they were talking about are you might be afraid of the kids parents but hell hath no fury like the kids aunts and then they showed um, Taylor Swift's Bad Blood music video of all of them coming out from the fire. That is literally what ants are going to do. Mm -hmm. Like, do not fuck with my nephews and my niece. I swear, oh God, I will come for you. Yeah. I will. I will look for you. I will find you. <laughs> oh, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't handle that at all. Nope. Yeah. No tolerance. Absolutely just for not. children, period. I just oh, a hundred percent. And I think it speaks to the fact that we've not anything as awful as this, but we both have had trauma as children, so we understand it even more so than anyone. And if we see anybody subject subjecting a child to anything like that, we're like super quick, like oh no, we're not, we're not, doing we're not that. doing this. This this stops. Right I now. myself We're have not some religious trauma, but not to this extreme. Like not, not to this. Not just not to this extreme. Because it wasn't just. It was the. It was the mental. It was physical. Mm -hmm. It was sexual. It was. It was all of it. Like when it really gets under the guise of of God mm -hmm. is just like I, I don't. But that's how a lot of these start, and I think that's what keeps people in them because people are so vulnerable when it comes to their eternal soul when people are i think fearful of death and fearful of what happens after death they are even more vulnerable in putting their faith in anything <laughs> and once they do those convictions even if you find out it's so horrible what you put your convictions in, it's so, it's like it's 10, 10 times harder to take it out because you really, if they've convinced you that your soul will live in fiery damnation, no matter how horrible the things that they've done, illegal, what have you, you're like, but my soul, I'm telling you, people mm -hmm. will... You get somebody that's, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, and I'm, I've never been in a cult, but I've been through enough really horrible things in my life at really vulnerable states in my life that I, I can attest to people that, you know, these people that say like, I don't know how anybody could fall for this. And it's like, yeah, you could.
Yeah, you could. It's, it's like don't you know? It, it's it's not as broad as no. you really think it is. It's really, really, really not. And because it me, doesn't start. You know, that's why we're gonna when we get into this. It doesn't start off crazy. Mm-mm. That's how they get you. And to really because it doesn't it, start off with all the crazy. It doesn't start off with all this the abuse and all this stuff. It starts off in in love and you know. Abusive relationships start I was like that. Literally, Fucking... just about to say, like, if you genuinely look at cults, so, look at abusive relationships. Yes, it is literally the same, except the abuser is the leader. Yes, the leaders, I should say, and then the victims are the people and the who... gaslighting, the love yep. bombing. It's the, exactly it's the same. All the same, except on a much grander scale. And if you're vulnerable enough, yeah. Because it doesn't start off bad. Never does. It starts off so good and you feel good. Like most jobs. In a relationship. <laughs> it got to the point where the relationship that I'm in now, a couple months in, I was like, this is too good to be true. What's the hang up? What's the hook? What's, I did the what's same going thing. on? It cannot be this good. What is the what is problem? What is the issue? You know, and here's the biggest thing is that when you do go through those problems and it comes out on the end where you still love each other and you still have and you're like, oh, we actually talk. We're not fighting. We're we're having discussions. Yeah, we we're haven't fought things, one time. We're working things out. No, we're we're communicating. And even if we do fight, we take a minute, we separate, we come back, we talk about it, we like Wow. Oh, this isn't toxic. This isn't, we're not screaming at each other. We're not slamming doors. We're not gaslighting each other. We're not using, we're not bringing up the past and using things against each other. And wow, it's healthy. Who could ever imagine? <laughs> None of these are healthy. <laughs> so we start off, um, we have used medium.com before, um, They've got some really great writers over there. And uh, this article is from October 4th of 2021 by Delaney R. Bartlett. And um, it is entitled The Creepiest Cult Leader You Probably Didn't Know. Like, I didn't. Tony Alamo, I would just like to say I had no idea about any of this. And I would like to thank Becky for her contribution. So <laughs> it, all, it says it started off as a grift and turned into something much more sinister. Um... So it's, do you want, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? No, you can go ahead. Okay. So, uh, when Bernie Lazar Hoffman was born on September 30th of 1934 in Joplin, Missouri, he wasn't born into a particularly religious household. His parents were Jewish, but other than that, little is known about his childhood since his story would change frequently depending on who he was telling it to. Narcissists like to do that. So mm -hmm. you'll never really get an idea of anything with their past unless you know people from their past because their past is what they believe it is so you want to know how i got who, these scars who fucking knows what is clear is that he was very interested in becoming a famous singer so when he was still a teenager he left missouri for la to try to catch his big break in the process he changed his name which he believed was too jewish to marcus abad unfortunately his singing voice was not that great Listen, they play recordings of him singing once the church is started on the Ministry of Evil. He does not have a good singing voice. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm no music critic, but I'm just saying. I didn't think it was that good either. 
Uh, despite not getting any substantial gigs or record deals, he claimed he was extremely successful. He would wear expensive suits and jewelry and would hire limos and even bodyguards to keep up the appearance of being a big shot. It was around this time that he changed his name yet again to, as we know it now, Tony Alamo. Oh, so I'm sorry, it's pronounced Alamo, not... It looks like Alamo. Alamo, Texas. Alamo. In an attempt to pass as Italian. He also stopped putting so much energy into his career and started claiming to be a successful music manager. He would tell anyone that, that would listen that he had represented he didn't. The Doors, <laughs> the Beatles, and the Rolling Stones. But it was all a scam. He would get musicians, usually newcomers, who didn't understand how music contracts work to sign with him. He would then book them gigs, charging the venue one amount, but only paying his client a fraction of that amount. He would then take the extra money and use it to invest in real estate in and around L.A. It was sometime in the early 1960s when Tony claimed that Jesus had come to him in a vision. Imagine that. And told him to tell the world that he would be returning soon. That was also about the time that Tony met Susan Horn. Susan, whose birth name was Edith. was not, Who looks at their baby and goes, Edith. I'm telling you, it was a different <laughs> time. Nine year, he, she was nine years older than Tony and had been married twice before, at least twice before. Tony had been married four times previously. He is doing great. She had moved to L.A. with her youngest daughter, Chris, to try and make it as an actor. Susan and Chris had spent several years traveling around the country, scamming churches. Susan would attend services, then afterwards asked to adjust the congregation with Chris dressed in rags and broken shoes, Susan would tell the congregation that the two of them had been doing missionary work in Africa or Guatemala or wherever and would beg for donations to help them get home or to go back to their ministry work. They used those donations to make their way to L.A. where Susan dreamt of becoming a movie star. In 64 or 65, Tony was sitting at a bar when Susan walked in and thinking he was someone with a lot of money or connections approached him. She asked him if he believed in Jesus Christ, and Tony said he did. According to them, they fell in love on the spot. Soon afterwards, they founded the Music Square Church and began recruiting people into their quote-unquote faith, a fire and brimstone apocalyptic brand of Christianity. They would seek out the street people, drug addicts, and dirty hippies, offering them a place to stay and food to eat. Tony had a house a few blocks from the Sunset Strip, and their followers would live there, but the house wasn't that big, just basic three-bedroom. Soon it was full of people, so much so that the authorities were regularly called out to the unsanitary conditions the people lived in. Tony and Susan, however, lived in separate quarters. I watched that on the, the Ministry of Evil documentary said that there were upwards of over 200 people living in this three-bedroom house. How? H how? Listen, I don't know. <laughs> when I heard that, when I watched it, because when you got to this part, I was like, oh, I remember that. There are 200 people. They said there were over 200 people. The plumbing wasn't working. There was I no would air, imagine. There was no air conditioning. I would imagine. Yeah. God. But overcrowding. So I just wanted to throw that in there when you said overcrowding, because I remembered that. Yeah. 200 people. I, I, I even, don't think that 200 people in a three-bedroom home is We are in a three-bedroom house right now. This is technically considered a three-bedroom house. I... 200 people in there? Oh, that just, that just, I like, that just made my brain fracture. I am going to go kill myself in the backyard. That just made my brain fracture. <laughs> just kidding. Just made um, my brain overcrowding fracture. wasn't the worst of their, what their followers were subjected to. 
Former members described the couple as micromanaging their followers, how, down to how they cut their hair and what clothes they would wear. Even to what they could eat at one point. They were controlling what they could eat. Like, you couldn't eat meat or dairy. It was, yeah. So you had to be vegan and Jewish. Got it. Yeah, basically. They would also instruct their followers to hand over all of their money to the church. Financial, financial, financial aid checks, money their parents sent them, all of it. They sent their followers out to do farm work and pressured them to turn over their paychecks. They would also send followers to the county welfare office where they were instructed to act crazy and disruptive until they were given a check, which would be handed to the church. In 1966, Tony and Susan moved to Las Vegas where they were married. While they were living there, Susan's daughter Chris moved in with them. During this time, she says Tony essayed her. However, when she told her mother, Susan refused to believe her and accused Chris of seducing Tony. Yeah, they interviewed Chris in that documentary and wow. Boy, that woman, her mother put her through hell. Whatever their plans in Vegas, they didn't pan out and the Alamos removed, moved back to L.A. Soon, however, it became clear they couldn't continue operating out of the small house off the strip. By seven, 1970, they had 200 followers living in the house. So the Alamos, I always have to look at it for a minute because I want to say Alamos, bought a large property in Saugus Canyon about an hour away. There, they set their followers to work building... Okay. There, they set their followers to work building what they can only be described as a compound, complete with a wall around the property and armed guards. In typical cult fashion, the followers lived in squalid conditions, 20 or 30 to a bunkhouse. They were forced to work long hours at businesses owned by the Alamos and not allowed to sleep more than a few hours a night. Everything, including food, water, and electricity, was rationed so that followers were chronically sleep-deprived, filthy, and malnourished. This literally sounds like Hunger Games. Followers were constantly berated for being lazy or selfish and would be beaten for violating any of the dozens of extremely controlling rules. Meanwhile, Tony and Susan lived in luxury, driving Cadillacs and wearing expensive jewelry, all paid for by their followers. Now their recruitment tactics went beyond just guilt and peer pressure. They purchased buses, which they would drive back to L.A. to recruit in. They'd offer people down on their luck, the usual, a place to stay, food to eat, back to the compound. However, once they entered the compound, it became difficult to impossible to leave. In 73, the Alamos were able to expand their ministry greatly when they began broadcasting weekly shows out of their large studio. The show, The Tony and Susan Alamo Show, featured musical acts, including a choir and Tony Alamo himself, performing gospel music followed by testimonials about how Tony and Susan had saved them from a life of drugs, sex work, and crime. The show was picked up by stations across the nation and aired on Sunday mornings. In 1975, the Alamos bought a bought quite a bit of property in and around Alma, Arkansas, which was Susan's hometown. But by all accounts, Susan hated Alma, but to their followers, she called it the promised land. Like before, the Alamos lived separately from their followers in a large mansion just outside Alma near Dyer, Arkansas. Though the Alamos installed a meeting room so they could call it a multi-purpose building on their taxes, it was in reality their home. In Alma, the Alamos built or bought a church, school, warehouse, factory, and restaurant. The restaurant was particularly successful since Alma is at the crossroads of Arkansas Highway 71 <coughs> and Interstate 40, a major shipping route at the time. 
It would also book some of the biggest names in country music to perform there, including, and I know all of these, Dolly Parton, Buck Owens, Tammy Wynette, and Hank Williams Jr. And it had the added benefit of not having to pay taxes or labor costs. In fact, keep that taxes thing in mind, too, because this is what always brings these motherfuckers down as taxes. In fact, you will never get away from the IRS. Let me tell you, you can murder, rape, steal, but you, you don't pay your taxes. They will find that's them. how that's how they got Al Capone. I mean, it's like the famous thing, the fucking the fucking taxes. And it had the added benefit, of course, taxes, labor costs. In fact, none of Alamo's many businesses, the restaurant, the trucking company, and later his clothing factory paid any of its workers who were required to work shifts of up to 12 hours a day. Now you might not, you might get into this in the next part, but that's also something else they mentioned Mm -hmm. is that it was actually the kids at night. They would have to do prayer all night long, all like at night. And then they would be bused to a factory where literally until like four or five in the morning, little kids were making these clothes. Okay. Yeah, it just gets worse. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, some former followers were able to report the Alamo's labor practices, and in 76, the Department of Labor sued the church for $19 million in unpaid wages. But Alamo was by now a, mel- a melty wham. Yes. Do you know any melty whams? Was now a wealthy man. He was able to hire attorneys who used every strategy to delay and hinder the lawsuit. Meanwhile, the Alamos continued ranking in the money. Raking, not ranking. Sometime in the 80s, in fact, they hit upon what might have been their most successful money-making enterprise. Tony Alamo Fashions. The fashions were mostly stone-washed denim jackets with airbrush bedazzled designs on them. They were they so were very popular. 80s. So 80s. Celebrities like uh, Michael Jackson, Mr. T, Brooke Shields, and Dolly Parton, to name just a few, who sported the jackets in magazines and on album covers. But Tony Alamo Fashions was a literal sweatshop. Workers, including children, were forced to work long hours for little to no pay. Despite the sudden popularity of their jackets, in 1982, or 1982 would prove to be a very bad year for Tony Alamo. Susan had, for decades, falsely claimed to have had cancer, but had been healed by her faith in a stroke of irony. She was actually diagnosed with breast cancer sometime. That's not irony. That is karma. Yes, That is. is karma. Her daughter said, my mom lied about having cancer for years. So when she actually got cancer, she was like, huh? It's like, yeah. You can't be lying about shit like that. Karma's a bitch. The fucking, you lie about having cancer and then you get cancer? I don't think that's irony. I really hope that girl on TikTok it's don't get God's timing is it. always right. That's what the fuck that, I heard about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She refused any sort of medical treatment until the very end when Tony took her to the Oral Roberts City of Faith Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She died on April 8th, 1982. Here's where the story gets weird, as if it wasn't weird. Uh, yeah, as if it was already <laughs> weird. Tony took her body with him back to their mansion in Dyer. She was embalmed. There, he told his followers that she would rise from the dead in three days. Yes. He placed her open casket in the living meeting room and instructed his followers to say to keep up a prayer vigil until Even she Even little kids. Could you imagine being four years old and being told day in and day out to pray over a dead body? And if she doesn't come back, you're going to be beaten and it's your 
fault. Yeah, I literally didn't even have a word. I mean, I it's they said that like he was already kind of like half crazy, but then when she died, it was like that's when whatever little little string of sanity that was left in Tony's brain just completely snapped with her. Like that like that was it. So when the three days were up, Tony went into a rage, blaming his followers for not being faithful enough to bring Susan back. He ordered more prayer vigils, forcing his followers, who were already working long hours at his businesses, to take shifts praying 24-7. This went on for six months mm -hmm. until the smell became intolerable, even for Tony. Yeah. Could you? Ugh. So Tony and his followers... Oh, and her daughter, by this time, had left. Right. Had left the cult. Um, like, her daughter, you know, and she wasn't even allowed to... She said, my mother was so vain. My mother was so vain in how she looked, her hair, her lipstick. If she could have come back from the dead and beat the shit out of Tony, having her dead, rotting corpse like a piece of meat just laid out for <laughs> six months like that. Like, Chris, the daughter, said, my mother never would have wanted that. As vain as my mother was about her looks, hmm. And he just kept her rotting, nasty body just sitting Gross. there. Yeah, he was something else. So he had his followers put a white marble mausoleum for her near the heart-shaped swimming pool and finally led her to rest. Susan's death marked a dark turning point for Tony. Former followers have said he became much angrier after this and the beatings ramped up in both frequency and severity. He married a few more times. He married 7,000 women. His next wife after Susan was Swedish-born Birgitta Gillenhammer. It was Birgitta who gave Tony in, in to the New York fashion scene and massively boosting the popularity of his jackets. But she said he was extremely controlling and abusive and he had tried to pressure her to have cosmetic surgery in order to look more like Susan. So she left him less than after two years. Yeah, this she was blonde and kind of looked like Susan, which was really creepy. And she, he straight up wanted her to get plastic surgery to look like Susan. And not only was she sick of the abuse, she was also starting to see signs of, because unfortunately we'll get into this later, um, she was starting to see signs of him being interested in very, very young girls. So that was the other reason why she left. Because she wanted nothing to do with the cult aspect of it. She was like, I don't believe in God like that. I didn't want anything to do with that. She definitely didn't want to get plastic surgery to look like his ex his dead wife. And uh, the the pedophile stuff. Like, she started seeing signs of it. Yeah, that's like, a hard no, pass. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Hard pass. You look like your dead wife and you like kids? Okay, I'm getting the fuck out of here. All right, getting the fuck out. Going with Vicky and getting We're the going, fuck. Going with Vicky. We're getting the fuck. Meanwhile, Tony's legal troubles had just begun. In 86, the suit from the Department of Labor could be delayed no longer. He not only lost the case and was ordered to pay his employees $15 million, Music Square Church also lost its tax-exempt status. Rather than Hallelujah. Rather than, <laughs> praise the Lord. Rather than accept the court's decision, of course. He had his lawyers continue appealing the case. He also went into hiding, though he continued to run the church by sending tapes of his sermons and occasionally calling his loyal lieutenants to issue orders. In 88, he was sued by the father of Justin Miller, a boy who had been severely beaten at Tony's direction. 
When the suit came to court in 90, he didn't show and so lost by default and was ordered to pay $1.8 to the family. The following year, he would be featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, they, they interviewed Justin Miller and um, his father. So his father and mother were in the cult. The father left uh, because he just couldn't take the abuse anymore and tried to get his son but couldn't get out in time. And when his father ran... Uh, they were shooting at him. These like lieutenants of Tony were shooting at him. And because his father left, they took it out on Justin. And I mean, they beat this kid literally with a wooden paddle within an inch of his life. Within an inch of his life. And they interviewed the adult Justin Miller for the Ministry of Evil mm -hmm. one. And I think that was the hardest part about watching that one, which is the hardest part about watching any of those documentaries, is the adults retelling the story of what happened to them as children. And you're just like, man, I'm telling you, if not by the grace of God and whatever strength and support system and that dad, it was really that dad. It was Justin's dad because they interviewed him too. He's like, I, I was going to keep that. This was the one I was talking about in the beginning that went across state lines to not only get his son back after he was beaten like that, but then also made a point to continue to go after Tony, not only for what he did to his son, but what he was doing to these other kids. Period. In 92, he was back in court arguing for the church tax-exempt status. The judge ruled, however, that the organization clearly operated for Tony and Susan's private benefit. Afterwards, the IRS seized some of the church property to satisfy the judgment. Only two years later, Tony was convicted on one charge of filing a false income tax return and three charges of failing to file a tax return. Testimony during the trial revealed that the church had a total income of $9 million during the three years when Tony paid no taxes. <laughs> that judgment against him also uncovered that he owed another $5 million to former church members for unpaid work. Alamo immediately declared bankruptcy and his business collapsed. Yeah. Are we surprised? No. So for the tax evasion, Tony was sentenced to six years in the Federal Correctional Institution in Texarkana, Texas. It was while he was in prison that he began a new and even more cruel form of abuse against his followers. As if it could get any weirder or horrible. On his pre-recorded sermons while on the run and from behind bars, because he still, even in prison, had control over this cult, Tony began preaching that polygamy was biblically sanctioned. He also stated that women were old enough to get married as soon as they started menstruating. As young as 12, he is recorded as saying. He ordered several of his followers to move to a compound he had purchased in Folk or Falk, Arkansas, near Texarkana, there, his most loyal followers could visit him and bring young girls for him to marry. Ew. Ew. During these visits, they would circle Tony and one of his wives to shield him from surveillance cameras so that he could SA the girls without being seen. Ew. While he was released, when he was released in 1998, he had eight wives. Two of them were underage. Now a free man, he went right back to his brutal ways, having violent outbursts and ordering fasts and beatings. 
He also continued marrying young girls. This is awful because they interviewed her. She was eight years old. His youngest victim that he essayed was eight years old that he said was one of his wives. But one of his followers... That's managed, literally yeah, my niece's age this year. Eight years old. I would kill a motherfucker. Absolutely he's, fucking not. He's burning in hell. It's, it's like the only... The justice... It's that, like the only solace I had by the <laughs> end of watching any of that was that he's just he's just burning. That's <laughs> like the only... I'm like, there is a hell and he is in it. And he is in one of the worst parts it's of like it. It's like the only good thing. That's <laughs> like, the only thing that made me feel good out, out of any of that. Because I was just completely disgusted. One of his followers managed to escape and report what he was doing. They do interview her. I, I forget her name, but she's also in... I, she had purple hair in the Ministry of Evil documentary and then in the people magazine cults one she had pink hair and i cannot think of her name but she is fucking amazing and she's pretty much the one that was able to break through to the other wives i hate even using that they put it in quotes um she was able to break through to the other young girls like you guys we gotta get you got this is wrong this is wrong unfortunately her mother and we'll get to this at the end this this cult is still active. They're still active. They still have members. Even after Tony uh, Alamo's been dead since 2017, they're still active. And this particular girl's mother still believes in Tony and doesn't believe her daughter. Which, thank God, she's doing well. She's like, I think she's married. She's just... God, every time I saw her, I was like, girl, you... You have strength that I don't even think I have. <laughs> every time I think I'm strong and then I look at people like that and I'm like you know what <laughs> like you are <laughs> you are my hero like you you really really are my hero um so this particular uh victim escaped reported what was happening and after a two-year investigation where they were able to get other people to testify state and federal authorities or give their statements, rather. State and federal authorities raided both the Falk and Saugus Canyon compounds on September 20th of 2008. Tony, unsurprisingly, was at neither location. Fortunately, he was arrested in Flagstaff, Arizona, only five days later. Now, what's so crazy is in the middle of all this happening, when he was on the run, he was calling news stations and was on news stations, like, arguing with newscasters about having multiple wives and even young girls is like fully incriminating himself on television because he's so dis he was so disgustingly full of himself and really believed that the second coming of jesus was a disgusting fat sickening pedophile like him um and then eventually he was caught because it's like yeah it's gonna happen um, he was charged with 10 counts of taking underage girls across state lines from 1994 to October of 2005. At his trial, several of the women testified that they had been forced to become his wives and that they were essayed, they were abused by him. On July 24th of 2009, he was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to 175 years in prison. 
and he was also fined $250,000. <laughs> in February 2014, a Miller County, Arkansas judge awarded $525 million in damages to seven former members of Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, the largest personal injury judgment in the state's history. While he was serving his sentence, he had to be transferred from prison to prison frequently. Apparently, he was still using his considerable wealth to build up a power base at every facility he was incarcerated in. On May 2nd, 2017, he died in custody at the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina. He was 82 years old. He only spent eight of the 175 years that he was sentenced to in prison. And the Tony Alamo Christian Ministries continues to this day, though it is unclear who was in charge of the vast organization. Now, at the end of the Ministry of Evil four-part documentary, there is a hidden camera. I believe they are somewhere in New York at a restaurant, bar, and um, you heard Tony's recordings. There were people there. One lady that, now their faces were blurred out, but one lady that they interviewed said that she had been in the cult for 30 years, 30 to 35 years, and that she still believed in Tony, that he was the second coming. There was a older man that said that they also had, they held meetings in New Jersey. Um, so this was in 2018. This was five years ago. This was a year after Tony died. This article that we read came out in 2021. And even at the end, they said that they're still ongoing. Um, He's dead. And even after all of that, there are still people that believe in him. So, yeah. Like I said in the beginning, if your soul, if you're that vulnerable and your soul is tested, people will believe in anything. And I don't, I'm telling you guys, after COVID, after everything else, after the Name I'm not even going to say because I just don't even want to fucking get into it. But we all know what I'm talking about. Um, if you don't think that cults are real, if you don't think that people can fall victim when they are feared mongered enough, when you're scared enough, you'll fall for fucking anything. Yep. So I, I just... I. That's why I feel like it's even more important to do these episodes, especially about cults, because it's just amazing that I'm still to this, that still to this day in 2023, there are people saying, I don't know how anybody could fall for a cult. Are you Really? <laughs> I don't know how anybody couldn't fall for a cult. I mean, where you, you, I think you see it now more than ever. And if you don't, start you need to think for yourself you need to think for yourself do not trust investigate open a fucking book open a book okay social media is for entertainment i you know we were just talking about it i like tiktok i like these things but don't get lost in the sauce people talking about getting their education and their stuff and their news okay Maybe some of that, 
But you fact check to, it. Fact, thank you. Fact check motherfucking everything. Do okay? not take anything face value on the internet, especially Facebook. Like read, 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 read. What was that? Read. <laughs> talk read? to talk to people that that break out of your own circle and have conversations with people that have a different view than you do. I feel like that is lost in the world today. Nobody is allowed to have a different opinion nope. or view than you do. We, we, this selective outrage, this me versus them, this, my opinion is right. And your opinion is wrong. This we've lost what words mean. We're calling everybody a fascist. I don't even think people fucking have any idea what that even means anymore. Um, I didn't mean for it to take this turn, but the world is <laughs> You see cult mentalities all the time now. Now than now more than we ever have. And maybe not to this extent. Maybe not a Tony Alamo, but it cults it, the cult mentality thing is very, very, very real. And and we need to break free of that. There are more of us like-minded you know, even-minded people, open-minded people out there that know, and we need more of that in this world. And stop being divided. We don't need to be divided. You know, we, we're the horror community over here at DFWTO, and the horror community is not divided. You know, we, we can like different genres of horror and still get along. There's we can like still plenty different... of people who try to gatekeep and there is want to talk about how their opinion is correct and you're wrong in this. But you know what? You're gonna have that in every community. You will. You're gonna have that in every single community. You are. You're gonna have it in every. Feels like community. the horror community is just one of those where it's not as prevalent. Well, I think it's just. I think it's. Def I think it is what because of what horror is. Yeah. Because we've all been through so much shit. Horror, we're just like, we love this horror shit. is inherently anti-establishment, anti, uh, like, just, you, you go, you, you fight that villain. You fight back. You, you know, you, you beat Ghostface. You beat Freddy. You beat Michael. You, you fight back, you know, and, and you come, people come together. You know, all kinds of different, all people. kinds of different people <laughs> come together. And that's the basis of what horror movies are. And uh, yeah, we need to think more like that. Everybody get along and come together and not be divided. Come and together. Get into this culty mindset because it is, it can very, very easily happen. Don't drink the Kool-Aid guys. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, I just really just, I just really miss the days where I would wake up on spring or summer days and have the windows open and just hear the birds and the rain. Just wonder, what am I going to play with today? <laughs> what toys am I going to play with today? What friends am I going to talk to If you to have today? younger kids and younger nieces and nephews, tell them, don't be so quick to grow up, especially in the world you live in now. Just be a kid. Enjoy being a kid. That's what I told my oldest nephew. He just turned 14 and I was like, listen, bro. 
It's not what it's cracked out to be. It's really not. I was your age. I wanted to be be an adult. So bad. So bad. And now I am one and I have no idea what I'm doing. That's what else I think is funny. None of us Is when you're at that age, you think adults have got it all figured out. Adults got it. Got it. I don't know anything. I love the TikTok I saw today. I don't know. You know, I still don't. I still don't even know how. Uh, I'm about to be like whole ass forty years old, and I still don't understand how. Um, what am I trying to say? How like uh, retirement benefits and how all that stuff. I know I have money that's being taken out of my paycheck that's going into something. I don't. I don't know how any of that works. They send me stuff. I just file it away. <laughs> I don't. They're always sending me stuff like yeah. this is what's in your whatever. And I'm like, like cool. I don't. I don't know what this. My my husband. God love this man that I have been with for 15 years. He has sat me down and so patiently explained several times. I don't get it. Me with taxes. I don't know anything about stocks. Nope. I don't have a clue. Nope. That's why I'm like, this crypto stuff, don't you even fucking try me. Don't you even try me when I don't even understand how stocks work. I literally Or saw... taxes. I don't understand how any... I'm a whole ass grown adult. I don't understand how any stuff no. works. And you want to come at me with crypto? With, with made up money? Are we talking monopoly? What are you talking about? It's made up. It's not real. It's monopoly money. I like. What are we? Doing? I got that as a question on my taxes this year. Stop it about cryptocurrency. Oh my god. Oh my. God. I was like, no. I saw a TikTok today that perfectly sums up what we're talking about, and it says, "Why does millennials use the term adulting?" Doesn't. And this guy <laughs> said, "Because we do adult things, yes, but we don't get an adult result." Nope. He's like, we're out here. We don't have a fucking clue what we're doing. I'll tell you one nice thing about being an adult is just buying a cake for yourself for no reason. That is kind of nice. I just want to throw that in there. My husband and I. Do you know? My husband and I went grocery shopping on Sunday, and he'll never let me live this down because I did sort of give him this like, "What are you doing?" And then I thought to myself, "You know what? He's a grown man. He can do whatever he wants." He bought a. He just bought himself a whole cake. He just bought himself a cake. It's nobody's birthday. There's no anniversary. Just he wanted a chocolate cake, and that man bought him. And you know what? If that is one nice thing about being an adult, is you could just buy yourself a whole ass chocolate cake for no reason and eat it. The funniest thing I find, and that's about... kind of amazing. So I just it wanted is. to throw that. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. There are some nice the funniest thing to me about being an adult (laughs) is the fact that you do have free will like you can literally do there are some whatever the fuck you want but here's the catch (laughs) you forget that (laughs) oh fuck yeah you do (laughs) because you talking about buying the cake you can yeah. You can eat whatever you want for yeah, dinner. You, you can really eat whatever can. you want when you want. You can do what you want when you want. If you want to leave your fucking house at three in the morning, leave it. You can. There's nothing holding you back. But will you do it? No, because you're going to forget. All of a sudden, it's like half the time my brain forgets that. And all of a sudden I remember, oh my God, I have free will. 
I can do whatever the fuck I want. And then it fleets. It's fleeting. Just... And then it goes away. Yeah. Because I'm usually working. And I'm like, I literally can't do what I want right now. I have a job. <laughs> because here's the thing. You do have free will. But what happens? You have your job. You want to do what the fuck you want at 2 and 3 in the morning. But you're like, no, I can't. Because I have to be up at 8 in the morning for this fucking job. <laughs> yes. That's the catch. So buy yourself that fucking cake that you want and Just smash it. it as hard as you fucking want. And and eat that Taco Bell and fucking... Listen. Just go to McDonald's and get a double cheeseburger at two in the afternoon. Sometimes it don't be like that. Just fucking... Make, and then... Just fucking do it. Fucking do it. That was perfect. It do. Go buy yourself the fucking cheeseburger and the cake, guys. If, if we could sum up anything from this episode, just fucking McDo it. <laughs> Hashtag McDo it. That is not sponsored by McDonald's either. Please no. <laughs> that was a TikTok that had very Vine oh, energy. Was amazing. Oh, there was all the Vine energy. <laughs> Free Shavaka McDo. Oh, that was amazing. Okay, guys. Oh, that's what I'm just going to be now. Free Shavaka McDo. All right, guys, for real. <laughs> Seriously, if I. If I got dared to get any vine tattoo, that would be the Free one. Shavaka, dude. That would be the one I would get. That's one of my favorite ones. It's free Shavaka, dude. Mine is that. the hello with the water bottle. Oh my god! I would either do or the look hello. at all those. Look at all those chickens. Clearly goose, goose, <laughs> geese, chicken. <laughs> Oh, well, guys, you know we have to end it on a funny note just because of <sighs> that horribleness we that just talked about. That one was about. gross. Um, that was nasty. So, um, so, if you didn't know about Tony Alamo, we're sorry. Um, if you have one of his jackets, burn it. I, I hate to always say you're welcome after these because it's like, ugh, did anybody really want to know about this guy? Um, but, yeah, Ministry of Evil, you can buy or rent... Or if you still have cable, it's on the Sundance channel. Otherwise, you can buy a rent from Amazon Prime. And The People magazine uh, presents Cults. It is season one, episode one. And that is also on Amazon Prime or Discovery Plus. So there you go. All right, guys. Well, we did kind of announce what next week was. Uh, next Yay! week, we will be talking about our horror hound experiences this weekend. Um, not really sure what all we're going to get into, but we will definitely, it'll be a surprise. Yeah. It's just horror hound stuff. So, um, if you guys are coming, we don't really know what's going to happen. We don't either. either. So <laughs> it's all a learning curve, but if you guys are coming to horror hound, if any of you are coming, please come and say, Hey to us, um, send us a DM. Let us know you're coming. We'll come out and say, Hey, um, definitely want to see you guys and talk and we love talking to our fans and our friends and very excited about that. So very excited to see what happens this weekend and very excited to talk to you guys about it next week. And again, thank you so much to, uh, Jason, and Justin, Justin. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Thank you to Justin. Um, and Nathan, Ryan, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Time for me to fucking in your defense, my old ass to go to bed. In your defense, <laughs> Nathan is one of the guys that are over horror hounds. Thank as a you. Okay. In your like, defense, I was like that name isn't just coming out of nowhere. No, I Nathan like, is over like I was the like I don't know any Nathan, so I know that name didn't just. 
No, he's actually one of the big wigs over the convention. So you're not pulling that okay. name out of your ass. Ryan, Justin. And Justin. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Um, we really do appreciate the opportunity and uh, we are really, really looking forward to it. So I just yep. wanted to give another thank you. After you know, I, what's really funny is after I take two, take three, take four. So <laughs> I knew twin brothers that were named Jason and Justin. Seriously? Yeah. I guess, you know what? I guess that, that would, that, those would be good twin names. Those would be good twin guy names. Yeah. Yeah. J and J. J J. J J. So guys, <laughs> you're like, that just that just popped in my head for a Because you Yeah, I am fine. Okay. I also think those are two incredibly common names. Oh yeah. And they were very because I have I have cousins, mm -hmm. Justin and Jason. Like those are super common names. Yeah. So many of them. So many. All right, guys. Well, you know, we have the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO Podcast, handle DFWTO8811. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, please email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. Also, please follow and subscribe on Podbean, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. You will always know when we put out new episodes. You will get notifications and always um, know when we put new episodes out. And uh, please leave us a review, even if it's a bad one. We can take it. We don't care. Um, and last but not least, our merch is on sale still until the end of April. So you have a whole nother month and a week, about five, six more weeks um, to get 20% off of your purchase. Um, it's a great idea just to have because, you know, like we have a Wednesday shirt. Wednesday's so really big right now. So um, check that out. And uh, we have a mug like the mugs are really fucking cool. We have stickers. There's a bag and there's a couple other shirts. Um, I will be wearing the Becky Gremlin one on uh, Friday. And I'll be wearing like the same now. one on Friday. And then Saturday, I'll probably wear my Wednesday one. So, um, yeah, check that out, you guys. Uh, links will be posted everywhere, as always, of course. Um, I think that's everything. Is that everything? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I hope you guys it. have a great week. Go see Scream 6. Go see Scream Go 6. Go see Scream 6. <laughs> and remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the original. <laughs> and the words of Jill. I'm going to say Jill. Sydney. Not Jill. Sydney. Jill was dead at the, at the moment. Thank so, God. Yes. <laughs> okay, bye.